Welcome back to the Devin Kershaw Show. I'm Nat Hers from FasterSkier.com. We are here with special guest Gus Schumacher, the talented American up-and-coming athlete who's racing in the Tour de Ski with the rest of the U.S. team right now. We break down the first three events from the tour with help from Devin, who is recovering from a bout of gastrointestinal illness acquired at what may be the biggest social event for Scandinavia of the uh, 21st century. We'll be back in a minute. Lighter, better, faster. The new Speedmax Helium Ski from Fisher is the ultimate in race ski technology. The Speedmax Helium Skate Plus features a bi-directional air core and a redesigned World Cup tip helping this revolutionary ski weigh in at less than 950 grams. Paired with the new Speedmax boot, Fisher's Speedmax Helium skis keep you staying stronger during your next long ski and can help you drop time during your next big race. Learn more about the new Speedmax Helium system at fishersports.com. Remember, skiing isn't a lifestyle, it's life. Happy New Year. Good morning. Happy New Year, dude. How are you... Uh... How are you holding up? Well, I'm back. Well, back is back. I haven't eaten anything in like 48 hours, but uh, yeah. And my daughter, who's six, soon to be seven, woke up barfing last night. So that wasn't great either. Dude, don't don't let her anywhere near the the tour to ski. Sounds like it's already risky enough environment. Gus, what's up, dude? Not for this guy, just... How's it going? Good we're man. Just, Happy uh, New Year. Happy New Year. We're just we're just discussing the the infection that uh Devin picked up at Norway's social event of the year. Maybe of the like century. Yeah. Can we I I, I don't I know we, we have a pretty big shot guest here, but I kind of want to start there because I just I mean I'm sure this is exciting for everyone. Gus included to hear about like Teresa Johan got married. I checked, I checked a couple times. Like there were full on, like they were doing like, y- you know how the New York times like war Israel, Palestine war live updates, like rolling. Like that was the level of treatment given the Teresa Johan wedding in the Norwegian press. It was like live updates. Teresa Johan is finished getting her hair done and has rolled in to the church on her horse-drawn carriage so can you give us like a quick recap of what that was like Devin? yeah well i i was there for the church so that was nice um what well, was a whole weekend affair like it was a saturday night sunday night thing so i was totally fine for the saturday night which is also fun so we did a whole bunch of like it was actually pretty hilarious like some of course some like athletic challenges broken into teams just to get to know each other like the people that were invited and like one is like you know she grew up on a farm like a dairy farm so one of the challenges was like you had to hold your hands out like in an iron cross with six kilos in each hand like a milk a milk uh, a metal milk jug you know and you had to like hold hold your hold yourself up like hold it out like that six kilos in each arm and then you kind of rolled through your team but the the team that used the least amount of people would win like stuff like that it was really fun then live band and that sort of thing and then for the wedding itself like no it was a I mean, from what I saw, it was it was like the most baller wedding I've ever seen in my life, for sure. But then at seven, I ate my like first course, 
um like the like salad and then proceeded to like get smacked by what i can only assume was like norovirus or like food poisoning or something i don't know but like i had to hightail it out of there and i spent the evening um speaking with the porcelain telephone which was not that fun and my wife but my wife represented well party till well past two in the morning and yeah it was uh it was quite the scene but i think the thing is too like it was a beautiful wedding, no question. But they also had like a surprise guest that people didn't know was going to be there. And I'm, tr- I was trying to think of like who I would compare it to, but they had a, a band. Like, so his name's like Stace Man. Uh, he's kind of like a big deal. He's like a rock and roll, like a rock singer, like a kind of, but like partying rock and roll, almost like in the vein of like maybe like kind of ACDC in their prime type thing, like power ballads. And so the whole wedding party went like nuts. I don't know how I would compare it to like in, in the U S cause it's not as big as like the Rolling Stones for the, like the Rolling Stones are British, but like um, it's not Bruce Springsteen showing up in a wedding in the U S he's not that big, but he's pretty damn big. So anyway, apparently it was a great time. The hotel room in Rodos as I was shitting and barfing my head off was a little less fun, but uh, anyways, <laughs> Yeah. Well, sorry, dude. That's uh glad you got to experience some of it. Well, um, we've got uh we've got Gus Schumacher, uh rising, rising American star. Um I I can say, you know, uh echoing Chad Samala, the the pride and joy of Alaska. Gus is a Gus is a product of the 49th state and uh has been racing on the tour to ski, has had some pretty excellent results this year. And uh thanks for Thanks for jumping on with us, Gus. It's uh, I'm sure you're pretty busy between travel and race prep and all the other stuff you're doing for the for the tour. But imagine clearly you're not that busy if you've got time for us. No, just napping and stuff and <laughs> watching TV. Not actually that much going on, I feel like. Nice. Um well, I you know I I'd, I'd love to jump in here. I mean, we've got we haven't done a we haven't done a episode since the um since the tour started. So there's like a lot of results to recap. But you know, thought it'd be fun to hear a little bit about like you know it seems like you've had like a string of like pretty solid and consistent results this year, like including coming through the tour and. Um, you know, would be curious to hear, uh, including also in the in the tour opening sprint, like you got into the rounds, which you could probably tell us if that wasn't the first time. It certainly was, is not a common occurrence for you as more of a distance skier. And so just would be curious to hear, you know, from you a little bit like what how you've been feeling this year and what you feel like has been going right. Yeah, it's it's been nice to just have those solid solid results coming in and yeah I think I've just had like a little more stability it like in terms of how my body feels like through the whole year I think like just I've kept a little more energy in the tank through all of my training like just tried basically like smoothed it out and like have really tried to not like have the like energy levels dip as much as they had in the past uh and that I mean that's probably like the broadest thing I can or like the broadest way I can describe what I did and I, it's been I don't allowed for some really good training sessions and like races even in the summer uh yeah and I think like training with APU too has helped me with that sprinting a bit I I feel like 
it's I definitely haven't been doing a whole lot on the World Cup in terms of sprinting, but have had some good sprints in the past. And uh yeah, I'm I'm super nice to see it like being there. And even like this is my first like qualifier in a long time. My other ones were like during the COVID year. Tour one was a tour de ski and the other was in Davos with like a pretty slim field. So it really felt like the first time qualifying for me. Uh and like like I had the pace and the heat too, which like the other times I just was like off the back. Uh so yeah, that's been really sweet. And it's yeah, just been exciting to like feel like I am able to have patience and like let the solid results come and eventually like they can turn into something good and as long as I'm just like continuing with the same like steps that I've been taking with yeah just like managing energy and like yeah trying to keep everything going in the right direction I'm gonna hop in here Gus like how you know you said I mean I'm sure most people that listen to this know this but but you kind of made the move from Alaska Winter Stars over to APU. It's a great group, and that's led by Eric Flora uh, over there, and has a rich history of amazing success, especially on the women's side of things. Although Eric's crew up uh, APU has had some like solid results throughout the years on the men's side as well. Not not quite the dominance that Keegan Randall or Rosie Brandon have have shown, but still some pretty solid solid racing with the likes of like Eric Eric Bjornsson and then some of the other guys that bounce back and forth from the super tour onto the world cup. I was just like, what was that like? Like what was the, in May when you first sat down with Eric, I can assume, because let's just be honest, like your first year senior, it was a barn burner. You came out of the gates, world junior champ, get onto the world cup, bang, top 10 on the world cup as a first year senior. And like I parrot and repeat myself over and over. I mean, when you're top 10 in the world cup, you're elite you're an elite cross-country skier and then it was some dark years like the last two years let's be honest have been rough rough go and now we're talking on the 2nd of january and yesterday in an amazing pursuit where you skied like a total veteran yeah a top 10 again you're back in the top 10 um what was that meeting like when you started in may what what, what was discussed yeah i mean i didn't even really like start with Flora too heavily in May. Like I talked to Kristen Bourne, our like D team coach who's been, yeah, on the road a lot, just about like having her help me with my plan a little more and just trying to be like more independent. Cause yeah, like I totally agree. Like it's been some dark years and there's been some like moments in there where I was like, Oh, I still have, like, I still have it, but I've really had like those few and far between races where I was like, Oh, I remember how it feels to go to feel good. And, uh, yeah, I think a lot of that was like, just kind of like stringing together, like a lot of races and a lot of training and like getting sick kind of a lot. I think like all of that was related and just like compounding on each other and yeah, just like working with Kristen to like, and Flora, I guess, even from like earlier in the summer, although I didn't really like sit down with him and talk super in depth until like August or so, July, August, maybe. Uh, and those were cool because like he's I've I haven't actually talked with him much much because he's like been really respectful of like my relationship with Jan, my junior coach. Uh and so it was cool to be like, yeah, like I'm interested in this and I wanna kind of just like allow it like and he was like, Do you mind if I like talk a little bit? And I was like, for sure. Like I, I'm 
definitely always interested in like hearing what people's opinions are about training, especially uh, because I think, yeah, there's a lot of ways to approach it. And yeah, I think one of the biggest things from him just to like generalize that was like smoothing it out, out the training. So there weren't like these big weeks and small weeks and like, just cause when you're training, like at this level, I guess it's harder to, to like have it be so starkly different, which is how I'd been doing it as, as a junior and training fewer hours, but like having some like weeks that were like kind of like world cup skier type weeks, I guess. And then like going back down and not doing too much. So that was cool. And I think, uh, trying to think of the other like general ideas but uh yeah i mean in the in general like training with apu like there's a lot of excitement and like i think a lot of those guys are really smart about training too like hitting it where it's really meaningful and then like when stuff's not going quite right or like you know all of us have had like sickness as a part of any skiers journey and like even just feelings of fatigue like i feel like our group and Flora have really helped with like dialing that in. So that's been cool. But yeah, also like sprint workouts with those guys have been awesome. And I've really enjoyed that, that time with them. Do you, do you feel like, I mean, I imagine you like JC Schoonmaker also, you know, kind of, I think formally joined that, that group this year. I mean, I, I just, I imagine there's all kinds of, sort of learning and back and forth that, you know, the younger group of men that are training with APU now are getting, you know, with you sort of bringing, you know, kind of some pretty strong distance chops and then you getting to kind of mix it up with those guys that are like more kind of talented sprinters too. Yeah. What, what question are you asking exactly? Like, yeah, I mean, just like, is it fair to say that's kind of going both ways where like you're getting stuff from like JC from Luke and and kind of vice versa? Yeah, totally. I think like, I mean, I think all of us are like pretty like interested in the science aspect of training and like doing our best to like understand why we do things. So I think there's not as much like, oh, why do you do like long L3 as a distance gear? You know, it's more like, I hop in behind JC for the first couple reps of like one minute intervals and like absorb the timing that he's doing like with skating and like how fast the pushes are and just like that stuff that like when I see like if I can ski behind those guys it like kind of just like shows me how it it clicks and maybe it goes the other way too with distance skiing I'm not entirely sure but yeah there's definitely like good like pushing when it's necessary but also like i think a lot of like smart decisions and training like not going too hard basically <laughs> is the biggest well, thing I, I was gonna ask one more question which is like is it were you training too much the last two years would you say or do you think it was more like it wasn't necessarily a question of the overall amount but sort of how you were just distributing it over you know different periods of time in general probably just training too much yeah like on on paper it was like it ended up like a few couple of those years ended up being in like the low 900s which is quite a bit for like what i had been doing and i mean on the world cup it's not like out of the question but it was low 900s with like the sicknesses coming back to back in october and then 
like not training much during the winter and like like it was just a lot during the summer and i think i just wasn't able to like really absorb it and like come out of the summer training with energy enough energy to like then race well and absorb that so that's like how i broadly view that yeah that that's good perspective and i think that's really important for a lot of young athletes to hear because it sounds like you have an awesome understanding of some of the missteps we all take as athletes and it is it really truly is about managing your energy and you're absolutely right i mean if you want to be a male skier or female skier on the world cup at the top level over time like you better like training and you better like training a lot but if you're doing that without understanding your body and understanding your needs you will get smacked sometime sometime and and it sounds like you've had a, a great balance there and I, I was just thrilled I mean I just I'm, we're not going to start with the pursuit or anything but like just watching you race on on uh yesterday man like it was tough conditions too sounded like kind of sucky with that fresh snow that kind of fell and you weren't just holding your own you were skiing super super well and that what what, what was that in the end like 22.3757 whatever <laughs> that five yeah. lap 20 yeah. k race and um now man you're 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 in the elite and you're sitting pretty man you're you're 10th in the overall tour to ski right now and you're shade over what a minute nine off the lead and yeah sure um Amundsen looks to be pretty hard to beat at this point but there's still a lot of racing left but there's there's a lot of room it's not out of the question to, to sneak higher up into the top 10 by the end of this thing so that's awesome we should probably break down some of the races because gus is in davos switzerland and the sun is probably going down he wants to drink a hot chocolate he wants to have that piece of cake <laughs> He wants to live the Swiss dream. You know what I mean? While we're, I, I don't, you, it looks pretty sunny where you are, but I'm telling you, we haven't seen the sun in Scandinavia in like four months and everyone's depressed. And, oh, geez. Don't show me that. I don't need to see the sun. What is that? No. So we should probably try and break down the, break down the races. I, I think we want to, I'd like to break down like the sprint, the men's sprint first, because like you said, guys, it was awesome to see you in the sprint. Like you said, qualified 22nd, ended up 18th on the day, but you were right in there. Like, you know, finishing fourth in your heat like that. Toblock is a, uh, uh spring course that's treated me well in the past isn't think yeah it was my first world cup victory was in Toblock actually and the course isn't did a little small change coming into the finish but not not a whole lot there but uh your teammate because this was like a banner race speaking of crazy i mean ben ogden isn't really known for his skating chops and he's hasn't been known for his skate sprinting chops at an elite level like this he'd never been in a final before and next thing you know day one of the tour de ski the homie smashes down the door and lights everything on fire and in true like bruce springsteen fashion just <laughs> just like hacking his way to a third place and like out sprinting volness who's one of the best sprinters of the last five six years it was an outrageously beautiful performance i'd love to hear your perspective as his teammate and like the whole u.s contingent like how much did that mean nothing to take anything away from shanava who won and shapaz the young sprinter from France, they go one, two, there was no Norwegians on the podium. Nat, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I don't know the last time there was no Norwegian men on a podium of a sprint, but it's been a while. It's been a minute. So of course, Klebo's at home sick. So, you know, he would have been on the podium if he was here, probably. They never, you can't, you can't beat he's dudes not, that don't show up. You can't beat dudes that don't show up. He's exactly. not there. No, no, it's true. You can't beat dudes that don't show up. So let's just leave it at this. No Norwegians on the podium. Shanova played it absolutely perfect. Shapaz was phenomenal in the final but but ben ogden what, what did that mean to be his teammate i mean you had a great sprint like you said but like just seeing that like how motivating was that to start the tour 
Yeah, I mean, he was so strong all day. Like, uh, I I was, yeah, done in the quarters. And, or like, I guess I joked with him a little bit after his quarterfinal because it was like, it looked like it was just going to be slow enough. Like, uh, for a lucky loser. I was like, thanks for bringing him in slow. Like, I knew you had the sprint, you know. Uh, they ended up being too fast, but that was okay. Uh, but yeah, like, then I went and watched his semi and his final. I watched his semi with... Uh, with his parents or his like whole family and stuff on the like the first hill that they do you know the hill you do twice uh and he just looked like easy like kind of the long loping v1 that he's really leaning into right now and it just like looked super casual for him uh which i mean is different different from last year even like it's easy to think like that dude's been racing super well for a long time at least for me like to me it just seems like super strong all the time but like to see him just like kind of walking through the yeah those first heats like that was really cool and then watching the final like just staying in like the top like half of the field basically the whole time like yeah it, it's always good like when he and jc like had that crazy race and over or yeah Osterson and that was like the same feeling like they're totally gonna do it today and i had that feeling again and it was psyched to be like in the finish there for him. And yeah, yeah I, it was really cool. Like I was with him over Christmas too. So we were training together and yeah, his family was there. Definitely a pretty, like pretty sweet first podium and yeah. Fun to like be there on the ground with him. And, and wanted to shout out that, you know, Ben, uh, his, his father died this past summer and he, um publicly talked about uh donating his prize money from the day to this like uh athlete development fund that the new england nordic ski association established in his dad's memory some folks reached out to us about that so i thought we would throw that out there i think he's trying to raise some stoke for that program which is um which is pretty cool yeah i don't know i mean i was thinking about it i mean it seems like yeah, Claybo wasn't there. Like maybe there, you know, some other guys who like it's the tour to ski. But like I, I don't know that uh, seeing that result in in Toblock and then also he and JC having that day in Osterson, like you just like it feels like these guys are really validating their presence on the podium. And it's like okay, Claybo wasn't there, but Valmus was there, and Valmus was fourth. And just to sort of see. Uh, no the norwegians like you know tugbol was there as well amundsen like you know these were really really legit dudes um and just like nice to see a podium that had no norwegians on it like you said devin i i mean gus i am just like curious like when you're when you were in that heat i mean were you how were you what was it what was it like sort of feeling like you were able to really be in the mix like in a sprint heat because it seemed like you you know there was a minute there where it looked like you had a legit shot to to move on and, and almost did with the lucky loser yeah it was i mean a good feeling just to like feel like i have the speed without like having to work super hard you know like i feel like i've like i was saying with skiing behind jc like gotten my like timing a little more dialed in the higher speed sections especially like in skating uh and like so i think i was out there and like 
able to find some relaxation uh in spots where like flatter sections basically and yeah it was really cool to like I honestly a hole kind of opened up for me on the like hill over the building so that was like a bit of luck but like then I had the speed to like close the gap to the Italian leading it and that was kind of like oh sweet <laughs> and then I kind of messed up in the last corner like I had good skis and like it was just like drafting coming in alongside Balness behind this Italian guy and the Italian guy like moved over to block Balness and then I was like oh sweet like I'm gonna get this sick inside lane and then he cut back inside and then I kind of had to like stumble across back out to the outside and uh yeah lost a little momentum there but generally it was just like fun to feel like I had was able to ski fast without like being frantic and obviously it's hard to ski fast while being frantic but I tend to be like a little bit rushed and sprinting and yeah, I felt like I was able to be a little more collected and yeah, go fast. This podcast is brought to you by the Alberta World Cup Society, organizers of the upcoming Coupe Fist Cross Country World Cup in Canmore, Alberta, February 9th to the 13th, 2024. Hey, Nordic ski fans, get ready to elevate your visit to Canmore with complete VIP experience package. You got to picture this VIP suite, indoor and outdoor access, fully catered meals, behind the scenes experience. And this is a big one in North America because we have horrendous public transit, free parking from a bird's eye view to this reserved finish line access. This will be the Nordic experience of a lifetime. So limited spots are available. Book your tickets at albertaworldcup.com. A reminder that general admission tickets are free and all are welcome. Plan your visit at I repeat, albertaworldcup.com. And you have no bigger hometown booster than me. Camera Alberta, most beautiful venue on the World Cup. Get your butts there. And under the shadows of the beautiful Rocky Mountains, cheer on our athletes. Let's move on to the women because we, we have a bunch yeah. of races at least to rip on through. We'll stop and yeah. have these like, story hour and get, get a more deep dive as we go. But like the women's sprint I thought was like also exciting. And yeah, I just kind of buried the lead. I like the Toblox spring course, not just because I enjoyed racing there as an active athlete, but I think it's actually kind of a fun course to watch on TV. It, it is tight. There's a lot of corners. Like, like Zach, uh, like Gus said, I think it's actually pretty cool. Like on the inside, you see people, some people snake people on the inside and like, you should never, ever, ever get past with someone burning you inside. I like that last corner, but like what happened to you Gus, when you get shut down, that's, that's what should happen by the guy that's in front of you. And you should shut people down <laughs> to not let them sneak in on the inside. But on the women's side of things, I mean, it was the real, it was the usual suspects, but uh, what an amazing qualifier from Jesse Diggins. It really kind of just set the table of what came a little later in toe block. She's qualified second. I thought she skied super well. She actually yeah, skied aggressive in her, in her semi. Um, and it kind of ran out of steam there and, and wasn't able to convert, but still top 10 again, super great start for Diggins to be ninth. And then Julia Kern, like making the semis again. I know 11th isn't what she's looking for. And it's not like what maybe American fans expect anymore. But hey, when you're racing into the semis, it's not so bad. And then I don't know what you saw, Nat or or, or Gus, but like uh, Rosie had a rough go, I thought. Like I thought like her her quarterfinal just never really got off the ground. Her technique wasn't wasn't on point. She was actually looking the kind of the worst I've seen her in skating, to be honest, uh, of the season and consequently got got um pushed to the back late in the late in her heat and ended up last in her heat which is a shocker 
ended up a distant like 27th I think or something like that anyway she was sixth in there in her heat which is kind of weird to see but I mean Lynn Svon getting her first victory in a long time after this insane shoulder debacle that kept her out for 18 months speaking of speaking of total talented beasts that yeah Gus made some you said you made some training mistakes and and you were kind of yeah you were learning from the school of hard knocks there <laughs> on the world cup getting the floor wiped with you some weekends but Lince Vaughn was the next coming really like she was she was kind of like the next Mara Bjergen you could say like she was winning distance races and sprint races and and everything was looking up and then bang this shoulder injury that just was a nightmare kept her out of competition for season and a half and she'd been back on the podium this season which we've seen which has been cool but it was her you know the victory kind of eluded her and and she didn't just beat anybody i mean she beat sundling to win in a in a photo finish like a big lunge which was always fun to see but but then um not not, not that i like to see lynn Vaughn beat sundling i think they're both amazing i just like to see tight races and then she's thought who who you know was leaving it really really late in all these heats you really leaning on her on her beastly last hundred meter sprint ran out of real estate and but she still ended up on the podium and beating the best sprinter of the season so far, Amode Bom down to fourth. So I, I don't know. I thought the women's sprint had a lot of a lot of fun action too. And it's been really fun, even though this we can say uh opposite to what the men's sprint was. Like I mean, this was predictable. I mean, I, when you look at the top six, like, yeah, they're all Swedes and she's the and then cool to see Fenrik actually back in the final because she's had a rough start to the season too. What do you guys see? I, I was just going to chime in on, on Lynn Svahn. I mean, especially after watching her yesterday and we'll get to the, to the pursuit, but watching her ski almost the whole race with Victoria Carl yesterday. And, you know, we, we saw Lynn Svahn racing really well in distance last year, but like, I just feel like, you know, she seems like an, an athlete who really is like the whole package and, um, you know, excited to just like watch her develop. She's like 20, 24, I believe. So, um, and, uh, and the only other thing I was going to add was, uh, you know, I think it was the first time in a little while we've seen Emma Rebum, uh, off the podium. I, I want to make some jokes here and maybe Gus can, can add some context, but the fact that, uh, that JC Schoonmaker, uh, Rebum's boyfriend is, is out sick, but Rebum somehow has managed to like, avoid that that fade is uh, after they you know were at like a, a doing like a christmas uh training camp together i think you know clearly speaks volumes to uh emma Rebum's immune immune system and uh you know glad glad to see that she has has survived here i like there there are actually two things i'm really curious um as we move into these distance races like to hear about from gus as someone who's been like on the tour and and I, like I am curious about sort of like illness. We we kind of we didn't really talk about that at all. But like Klebo's not there, Kruger's not there, uh, Niskanen isn't there. Uh, M, um, Abba Anderson has been there, but had COVID over Christmas and I think just pulled out of the tour. It's like yeah, Andrew Musgrave's out. Like people are dropping like flies, and I'm curious. Like guess. I mean, I don't, yeah, if there's anything else about the women's sprint you wanted to add in, would love to hear it, but curious sort of what that feel, what the feeling has been like, if it's like everyone is in terror of getting the, the flu or if everything's actually still feeling pretty normal and what kind of precautions you guys are taking at this point. Yes, yeah, definitely felt like people are dropping like flies. I feel like at this point, it's almost more like the people that 
got it over Christmas and like weren't able to come back from it. Like I was sick over Christmas like last year and just like, yeah, never really felt good during the tour, which isn't that surprising, honestly. But I understand why people are like starting it and trying to see if they can come out of it because it is a lot of points. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't seem like we're super, I guess, a lot of like, definitely some like outside mask wearing going on which is kind of funny but uh yeah i understand it and because it is a big a big part of a season that doesn't like you know especially without world champs and stuff uh like interesting to hear claybo say like isn't that motivated anymore like even though maybe it's a cool challenge for him to win the world cup without the tour to ski but uh yeah you just gotta get lucky i guess and a lot of people got unlucky and in Trondheim and over Christmas, it sounds like the Trondheim flu, man. You don't, you don't want that. Um, <laughs> the other thing, the other thing I was really curious about is so as we get into these these distance races, like again, just totally shocking to see uh, Pertu Hivarinen of of Finland winning the um, men's like smashing the the men's distance race and um you know seeing norway and also seeing some of the swedish athletes i mean i think it, it seems like there definitely been some effects from illness but i think you know i was watching these races and really curious to hear a little bit about like what your sense is of wax and waxing conditions like you know it feels like there's been a ton of discussion this year about like the the move to non-fluorinated waxes and like what that means for the different teams and like curious if your sense is that like that has been a big contributor to like some of the unusual results like we've been seeing over the tour and if if you feel like that's an area where like you guys have really been able to to excel um over the past few weeks i honestly don't really know it seems like i haven't noticed a huge difference but uh yeah, it's I, I doubt it's like changing everything a whole ton. We'd have to talk to the techs, I guess, but or maybe maybe just like some other athletes too to see if they're noticing differences compared to people. But I feel like it's the same as always, where like you know, some days your skis are better than others, and Norwegian skis tend to be pretty good. And <laughs> uh, it, yeah, that's about all I know about that. I'm I glad think, people think... like pop for it though. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, I think, I think like Hirman and what he did was like, so outrageous. It was an incredible performance, but Finland put with Ivo Niskanen, not there in the 10 K classic, they put three dudes in the top 12. You got good skis in classic. And I mean, I've been talking to a bunch of people also like at Teresa's wedding. Yeah. But also some other folks that, uh, and like, it was kind of tricky conditions, wasn't it for the classic race? like like a bit a bit greasy and i don't know if you know if you raced on clister cover or not i was but, on hard uh, wax, actually you're on, you're on hard wax or straight so like hard ben wax. Was on, uh like sticky hard wax yeah i don't yeah, i don't yeah. think there's cluster on my skis but ben was on cluster i think jesse was on cluster rosie was on hard wax it was like yeah. pretty small which was interesting exactly and this is this is kind of like a um kind of like a, a maybe like a known secret for people that have been around the, the game a long long time but when it's clister cover or like like you said some people are on hard wax some people are on clister some people have clister cover i don't know what the fins are doing or what they but they have some magicians in these conditions and 
I would, I mean, I don't know with a hundred percent certainty that Hirvin and, and the, and the boys were on Clister cover, but it would blow my mind if he wasn't. Um, they, they able to really nail these conditions often. Of course, when you're winning by 16 seconds, it's not just, you have way better skis than everybody else, but there's no question that the Finns had um, uh, like great skis and that's part of the game. And that's why we love skiing. I mean, it's, uh, the variables make it exciting. And behind him, I mean, Volnes in second was a great, great performance. Amundsen is the complete package. We've seen that. And he's just, you, you know, being on the podium in a sprint, being on a podium in a classic race and and winning skate races like at his age is, is phenomenal. And he is the next coming, no question. But like Berman, I was shocked to see Berman back up there. And then, and then, um, and then the young Swiss athlete too. I guess he's not that young. He's the same age as Claybo, but uh, Klee in sixth. Well, it was incredible. Mach in seventh. I mean, Mach's known as a skater and he's the same age as you, Gus. So you guys had a lot of battles together. And I mean, I don't think I've ever seen him looking so good in classic before, if I'm being totally honest, not just with his result, but he was skiing super solid. And then Benny with another top 10 and you were just outside. I mean, 15th again, you're, you're really establishing yourself and okay. And I said, top 10 is elite in the, in the world cup, but 15th, you're knocking on the door and that's in this distance races. And um, I don't know, how did it feel though, to race? Were you stressed when, when you said that you were on hard wax, Ben was on Clister. there's some guys in and out, like, was that stressful and testing or was it so clear for you that no man, hard wax is the way to go. Toe blocks also yeah. flat. So yeah. I mean, compared to world cup courses, so you can get away with yeah. a lot less kick, but what, what, what do you feel about conditions there? Yeah. I mean, I like the second I hopped on my skis, I was like, yep, hard wax. <laughs> like my cluster skis are dragging quite a bit. And I was like staring down the barrel of definitely if, like a K at the start and a K at the finish of just like double pulling out of the tracks. And I was like, yeah, I do not want to be draggy there. And but this, the kick was fine. I think maybe not as good as Ben's. He sounded like he had some, some cleats on there, but uh, yeah. And then, yeah, I had heard that Rosie was on hard wax. Jesse was on cluster. So I was like, whatever, like they're probably both good. And that was cool. But yeah, I mean, I feel like it was kind of like, I realized it was pair two's first win in classic, but there are so many times when that guy has skied near me in a classic race. And I'm like, how is he not winning this race? Like he just always looks, he looks just like Evo and like, it looks like he's going super fast and cool to see him like get that. Cause I feel like it was, it was due. I mean, interesting force for it too, because there's not, I mean, there's not a ton of striding, like a lot of double pulling if you really force it, but he's good at that too. I mean, they were, uh, I think on the broadcast, like Chad, Samwa and Keegan Randall, like on the US feed, they were, they were talking about um, the number of times that Pertu Heverinen has like, I mean, it's like Victoria Carl um, a few weeks ago winning her first race. Like both of them, I think have more than a hundred world cup starts. And I just, I, I feel like, I've been thinking about this and thinking about maybe trying to do a story on it when I head down to Canmore in Minneapolis, but like the number of athletes we've seen in the past two years who are just like achieving unprecedented success, like in their thirties that they never saw before. Um, I think, I think it's, it's really cool. Like we're, you know, we're seeing Rosie Brennan get to a new level this year, Victoria Carl, uh, Perto Heverin and Paul Goldberg. Um, and, and honestly, like it's like Frida Carlson who's struggling this year, like wonder kind early twenties. Um, 
And I don't know, just like, I think the idea that you can race and race and race and race and quote unquote fail, like not win, not be on the podium for like 10 years and then have to have a breakthrough like that. I mean, I it's, it's, it's so cool. And, uh, you know, I mean, Heverine and like, seems like a guy who's just been out there doing the work. Um, and, and it's, I don't know, it's like, it's a, it's a really great story, I think. For sure, it's a great story, but I know maybe get a bit of hate mail for this, but you know it and Gus knows it. We all know it. Like, I think some of these surprise wins and stuff. <laughs> Let's not forget Travotkin's not there and Bolshinov's not there and the entire Russian Armada's not there. And again, you can't beat dudes that aren't there. But at the same time, don't for a second think that Bolshinov is like eating sausages and crushing beers like the guy is in amazing shape and he's has i think he's undefeated in the russian cup sort of stuff so but I, again like th that takes nothing away from from the amazing performance that Huberman delivered it was it was nothing short of outstanding i tip my hat also to tony sear who was also sick over christmas and he had a solid day yesterday in the skate race uh especially for him and skating in distance can be uh hit or miss and and he's solid yesterday but really solid here and in, in 19th in the in the uh 10k classic that's his kind of best event for sure is distance classic racing and i know he wants more than that but if you look at how tight it is you know that i mean you've you're, you're young gus but you've raced in toe block already and i've raced a ton of times in toe block and the course especially for men and women but it's a it's a pretty flat kind of not no not the most challenging course out there and uh times tend to be pretty tight and that's what makes hervenin's win even that much more baller that he crushed by 16 seconds it was uh it was it was something else but let's move on to the women's race uh, here you guys is um hot takes with that yeah i thought i mean i i need to refresh the results for that one a little bit but like jesse on the podium was really cool i know she's like super psyched about that uh i think classic distance skiing has like been one of her big goals uh and then what what was lynn Svon in that i feel like she was good in that race. She had. Yeah, she was top ten. I mean, she was ninth, which I think is also solid for for her and her, her comeback trail. And I mean, like Rosie in yeah. fourth for the longest time, I thought Rosie's going to win it. She opened so yeah. hard. And she looked so good. And Rosie's really been like a tale of two athletes in this tour to ski. Thought she looked the worst I've ever seen her in skating in the in the sprint until yesterday when I don't know exactly what happened, but the wheels really fell off. But in this classic race, she was like a woman possessed and ended up fourth. But man, she was looking good, attacking the course well. Technique was sitting well. I mean, she looked great. And like Kirtu Niskanen too. I mean, uh, the Phoenix rises from the ashes. Like she's had a rough start to the season, sick earlier in the season and struggling to find her form. And even, even like in Finland, like people, you know, Kristen, my wife, she works for for brav which is the parent company to swix and you know customers in finland like big sports custom like big sports brands in in or sports stores and stuff in in finland's like ah oh, we're no good in cross-country skiing yeah we have evo but like whatever like after that like we're, it's just been a horrible start to the season it's like hirvenin wins here to niskanen wins evo's not even there i mean let's not forget that finland can be a powerhouse when all things all things start clicking and and Kirtu looked outrageously good. And then Victoria Carl is showing that it's not a fluke. I mean, she she was six, like just under seven seconds from winning this one, too. What a what a tour de ski she's having, what a season she's having, how important this is for for you, Gus. 
it's so important for international skiing that Germans, like these big market teams are doing well. I mean, there's this big article in Affenpost and like the big Norwegian paper today. And at its peak, the Tour de Ski would get over a billion viewers. Actually, think about that. Would watch that. And it has fallen to like 690 million, which is still pretty good. But uh, of course, you got to remember like all of Russia is not watching the Tour de Ski essentially. And but Germany was a was a market that, that was a kind of crashing and burning the last few years. And, and since the German women Henning and, and Carl won the Olympic gold in the team sprint in Beijing, the numbers have been creeping up. So it's awesome. It's awesome that uh, Victoria Carl could have such a great day and cool to see Henning back in the top five again. This is kind of like we're broken record with the sickness stuff, eh? But really struggling with sickness, struggling with her form skipped a bunch of races before Christmas and then bang back into the top five. So I don't know. I guess, I guess I asked you guys for your opinion. Then I just went on a monologue and yes, we'll get a bunch of hate mail for it, but you know what? That's, that's what you fucking get. I mean, that's the deal. Yeah. I mean, that's been cool. Like maybe that's, you can blame sickness a little bit, but the, it seems like that there's really been like a kind of a mix up of nations doing well so far. And I think that's been, at least as athletes, super cool. And yeah, you hear about the big market German thing being helpful for skiing. And yeah, I think it's cool to have to have just a little more unpredictability too. Like to have a guy like Pertu who like skis super well and seems like he deserves a World Cup win to like get some good skis and make it happen and uh yeah, beat like Amundsen and stuff. That's super cool. And yeah, it's been a cool tour, I think, in terms of that. I mean, I'm sorry, Devin, like, yes, Volshunov is not there, but like, and Klebo's not there, but Amundsen's there, Nianget is there, uh, Goldberg is there, Jan Thomas Jensen is there, like, those are really, those are all legit dudes to beat, and we're not like, we're not shit-talking Klebo uh, when he wins in Trondheim that, you know, the Russians weren't there, so I think, I think you really gotta mostly fully tip your hat to to the fins for i fully tip my hat i'm sorry if that's if that came across wrong like i fully fully tip my hat i agree with gus pertu's technique and how he's been grinding it, it's been a long time coming he's had some great results and like he smashed the field he smashed it so don't get me wrong, but I was I was more just reacting to what you said earlier about like, oh, it's cool with these stories, like guys that have been grinding for years and years and then finally getting these success now. I mean, you got to also call a spade a spade when the best men's nation, well, well, at least in the Olympics in Beijing, of course, the best men's nation is is Norway, hands down. But but uh, regardless, Russia is has been uh, a dominant force on men's skiing forever, but especially the last five years. So but I yeah, we got to move on, sadly, because Gus, like I said, like now it's uh, getting a little later. But I wanted to give a shout out to Parmakowski too, also struggling with her form and sickness. And now that man, it's like the whole it's like we're just a total broken record. But she was in seventh and um, we didn't spend enough time, but we're going to sing the praises of Jesse in just a second here. But. She has never skied. She is a completely different athlete in classic this season. And not since this is a deep cut. Gus doesn't even know who this is, what I'm about to say, but not since like a 2003 Bentiscari have I seen, or maybe like 2002 Bentiscari have I ever seen an athlete turn around their technique in only one season. 
that was that's a, that was kind of the only time I've ever seen it. And Ben Tiscari, the uh, she's a total Norwegian legend in cross country skiing, who is known for her prowess and classic, would win most of the classic races she started. But in skating, she would struggle, and then she made a huge Herculean effort late in her career to to to, to turn around her skate skiing, and then all of a sudden was able to contend and win at the top level in skating. And I'm like, I'd never seen that before. I'd never seen it since. And Jesse Diggins, what she's done so far in classic, never in my wildest dreams would I have expected Jesse to be able to technically be a totally different athlete. And these are tough conditions. Like you said, you touched on it already. Hard wax clister. It's like, you're not, this isn't minus five locker, like kick bomber tracks. Like this is, this is tricky skiing. And she, she's not only getting great results, but she's looking very effective and very efficient doing it. So the most hat, like biggest hats off to Jesse. I don't know how you did it. I mean, we should get her on and ask her how she did it. Cause it's been just, it's been absolutely inspiring and amazing to watch. Now let's get on to, to yesterday because Gus had a baller day there. So let's hear, let's hear uh, what Gus thought about that, that five lap pursuit. <laughs> yeah. The five laps could have been four. I was I, I like lap three and four, like damn, that'd be almost 20 K. That would probably cut it. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was fun to like, I mean, really sweet to pursuits are a little annoying when you have a couple bad races. Cause it's like, it's like, I don't, I don't know, regressive taxes or something like that. Like the best people get to start first and then still like the results at the end of the day that is the podium. So it nice to like have a couple of good races to have a good starting spot and, uh, clumped up pretty quickly. I think people tend to, in like the longer pursuits, I think people don't like to ski alone unless they know they can do it the whole time uh so yeah pretty big group for us and my skis are running really well which is nice i think again that like that was like the more fresh snow day and there was like a little lane in the middle that was like kind of where the dirtier old snow had been pulled up but it was like it would go away and then come back and it was you really had to like find where the snow was fast uh so that was kind of interesting and the big downhill was like you had to stay in the in the glazed like track like where everyone had been going they didn't set tracks down that hill sometimes they do like set classic tracks so you can just hop in and i'll go in a choo-choo train down it uh so that was like a little bit hairy but otherwise it was just like pretty good pack skiing and felt like like personally i was able to find relaxation a lot of like the glidey stuff and i was really happy with my skiing to the end too i was definitely fading there and i think like the coaches were saying it was fighting for that third place spot, which the group was. And I, like my body wasn't quite there, but it was really fun to like be in it like that. And uh, I think like I was able to hold my technique together pretty well to the end, which hasn't always been the case. And I feel like that's for me, like starting to be a little bit more representative of like my greater, like the greater energy. Like if I'm really just like, oh, like kind of struggling with the overall energy like my technique will fade more and yeah yesterday it was it felt like it was staying together even though I was like really on the limit so that was fun and how does it feel Gus to be like I know like it's not what's important and I'm so glad you touched on the process goals because that is if you if you stack up a bunch of process goals if you hit a bunch of process goals then it's not surprising that the result is what it is that it's something you're definitely satisfied with or stoked about but I mean 
like top 10 in the world cup again in a yeah. distance in like in a war too i mean i i, I so that's one thing that's two questions one is like how did it feel like that did you even do you even have time to reflect over that because it's sort of ski you got to race again tomorrow in davos like maybe it's something you don't think about but i, I did want to hear like back in the top 10 what did that feel like and two the pace was changing quite a bit in the in that in your group in the in the chase group it was there times of that race where you had to fight mentally and be like okay gus now i like now buddy you gotta really dig deep because poroma's on the front drilling it or or something like that or was you did you feel relaxed like you said like the whole way and in, in control till right at the end when you felt like okay now i'm starting to get a little tired <laughs> yeah it was like that fourth and fifth lap that i was uh feeling the pace a bit but like I was recovering pretty quickly on the downhill. So I knew like, yeah, just hang on on these uphills and uh, let it come around. Cause like, yeah, my skis were good enough to like keep me in contention, even if I wasn't like pushing me over the top super hard. So that was like a really nice thing to be able to lean on. Uh, and then in the end, yeah, I like, I was getting tired for sure. And, but like, I was super happy with like being able to hold my skiing together and like catch back up to that group before the end. Cause I was able to pick off a guy and get into that. Yeah. Like you said, get back into the top 10 and yeah, it feels, it's definitely cool to be back there, but uh, honestly, like the cooler feeling for me is just like feeling like the skiing is it like the skiing itself just feels good. And like the technique is coming pretty easy. Uh, and that's just, and like the racing, like the feeling of like going down a hill and hitting the bottom and being like, all right, I can go again after being redlined at the top is something that like I've been missing for a while. And like that more than anything is what's been rewarding for me. Uh, and yeah, I felt like if I had been 20 and felt like I was really like 20th yesterday and felt like I was really fighting and like had all those things, I wouldn't have been as psyched, but like still would have been like, wow, that, that feels good. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at with that and hope to carry it through too. But uh, mostly just like, yeah, hope to keep skiing well. I love this. I love you're wise beyond your years, Gus. I love, I love it. I love hearing this. I have hard knocks, I guess, like you said. Yeah, you know, you've been to the school of hard knocks. You have, honestly. And I think it's been, uh, man, I'm, I've been impressed. I've been, it's not hard to be a champ like you are and were, especially as a junior with high expectations and then come to the World Cup and get kicked in the teeth and then like only to, show up the next day with two less teeth to get kicked in the teeth again and then keep doing it. And then, so I think it's, uh, it's been, it's been awesome to cheer you on. And I, I think it's really cool. And I think it's important for younger people that are listening. If there is any younger people listening or whatever, it's these, these technical goals. And like you're saying, like, that's not just your perspective. I noticed that the whole day yesterday when they were showing your group, like high hips, great position, square shoulders, like super solid in your core, you're skiing, you're skiing incredibly solid from gun to tape. And that is not easy to do when you're tired. The pace is undulating quite a bit. And like you said, the snow conditions are like sometimes icy, sometimes sticky. It's, it's hard to maintain that kind of like core stability. So you look great doing it. Another guy that looked great doing it. Amundsen. Oh my Lord. With two laps to go dropping Valness like a bad habit and putting 32 seconds into him doing it solo. It was one of the most impressive I was, I was, I'll always come right out and say it. it was the most impressive male distance performance I saw this year. It, it was I, incredible. I, I just quickly want to jump in. I was, I was kind of perusing like Norwegian tablets before we recorded this morning. And it, there was like 
I think VG did this interview with Jan Thomas Jensen, who was like rooming with Amundsen before the uh, like for their pre-tour training camp. And it, it they were quoting Jensen saying, you know, Harold Her- uh, Osberg Amundsen has this like, you know, really aggressive side to him and that he's showing alpha male tendencies. And, you know, you I, I think, Devin, maybe you were talking about like what you'd been hearing from him like through the Norwegian press just that he was like really talking a big game and I you know I appreciated like it seemed like he was fucking pumped to win that race yesterday the way that he did I I also remembered like um last year when I was in Norway reporting uh on on the Holman colon I was kind of uh standing out in front of the big like race hotel trying to interview trying to catch some like Norwegian dudes to hear about the significance of the race and you know, it was like he and a couple other like younger guys pulled up or, or they, they were just finishing their jog. And I, I like kind of walked over to them to try to ask them some questions. And they, you know, did not seem very interested. And then I, you know, said I was like here reporting for The New York Times. And it was like Amundsen like perked right up. He was I, and it, you got this sense. He was like, yeah, I, I'm the kind of guy that should be talking to talking to The New York Times like let's go. And I, I just feel like he's you know, he really seems like this year he's been showing that he's got like talent across all the disciplines and really is is setting himself up to be kind of a star and just that you know that was like really impressive performance that he threw down yesterday um totally and, I'm, gonna jump, I'm, I'm gonna jump in on that a little for a second i i totally agree i also think what's cool is amundsen has been quoted in the norwegian media saying a lot of what gus said throughout this interview that he sees a lot of young, talented Norwegian athletes that aren't great about managing their energy. And there's a lot of great Norwegian talents on the men's side that train their ass off and want it bad and ski well, but aren't able to pull it back when it's time to pull it back or not able to have the confidence to like push when it's going good. And, you know, he really believes that this is kind of like his secret sauce, that he's really, really able to read his body well and manage his energy well from may throughout the whole season and cut down on those overextensions where you overextend yourself and now all of a sudden you're in damage control mode and you're kind of training 12 hours a week if you're lucky for a couple weeks and your confidence goes for a nosedive and then you're doing workouts where you're feeling like shit because you're trying to unload and, and all these sorts of things and and he's been a master at kind of kind of evening out that side of his training for a long long time this is happening while, remember, he is a world championship medalist that doesn't get to do races <laughs> because it's such a hard needle to thread on the Norwegian side of things. And also that he's also gone through the steps. Like he's a world junior champion like you are, Gus, and he's an under-23 world champion. And now he's the best skier in the world here at the Tour de Ski. And I think he also shows a lot of wisdom and, and poise for such a young athlete. And right now he has no weaknesses through three races of this tour to ski, but there's still a lot of racing left to go. And I mean, I, I, yeah, so it's, it's been super, super impressive. I want to give a shout out as well to like Henrik Dunnesta, who had bib 34 and took no prisoners, moved all the way up into 12th and was skiing in no man's land for like a lot of that race between these packs. Look for a second that he was going to close on your pack guys, but you guys were just too strong in the last lap and a half there. And uh, he ended up in in 12th. And and Tony Sear, again, 19th. This is another solid performance by him. And yeah, I don't know. I think we should move on to the women's and let Gus get out of here because 
and I'll just open it quickly. Sorry for the people listening that are sick and tired of my voice. I, I am too. So that makes all of us. Jesse Diggins, best race of her entire career. I can't believe what I can't believe. Wow. She's world champion in the in last year in the 10 K, but holy Lord, please winning alone five laps. It was crazy. You think that was the best race of her career? I don't know, man. It was up there because I, I guess, you know, I, this is actually, let's talk about this Gus. Cause you're a racer. And I've rate I just, I've done pursuits, man. I've done pursuits in kind of that sticky snow where you have to kind of search for your line. And she started with a seven second advantage and she crosses the finish line alone where second place is 46 or 47 seconds adrift. I mean, like for pure performances, of course, world champion. Hello. She's won the tour de ski. She's won the overall world cup. I mean, her races in Beijing, those individual medal performances at the Olympics, unbelievable, but in a pursuit, in a tour de ski, everybody's saying, Oh yeah, toe block. It's her best venue. And it is her best venue. Oh, Diggins is always a beast in toe block, blah, 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 blah. But the way that she started where he was like, I am not going to wait. I'm not even going to wait over the timing building. I'm going from the gun. And if you want to play with the bit in the big leagues, then you're going to have to play from second one. And I, I was, I'll say it. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm shocked at how good she's or how well she's skiing classic, but I was flabbergasted with her grit. I mean, I shouldn't be, she's the greatest athlete in the world, uh, especially on the women's side of things. But her race plan was so gutsy and that it worked out so well by her dismantling the women's field. It was, I had goosebumps, man. I, I, I mean, I had that. She's had a lot of great performances. Her 17th world cup win, blah, 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 blah. But Holy Lord. I don't know, man. I, I that's hard to do mentally to, to never put your foot off the gas, but I don't know. What do you think Gus? Yeah. Yeah. I guess you make a very good case. I just feel like she's she's had a lot of really good races and some of those like 10k skates that she's just like gun the tape leader also feel crazy but the like pursuit aspect is kind of crazy and like those groups were working together the whole time like that was one where like Lynn looked like she was skiing so well and Victoria is also in like great shape yeah and just like she looked like you know Jesse was like hammering from the first lap and then from the second lap looked like she was tired <laughs> I was like, oh my God. And just like kept it, kept it open, lost a little bit in the end. But like, yeah, they were the other people were working together and that was really impressive. And yeah, especially in a tour, like that was just like kind of like a show of how much energy she's got for the whole thing. Maybe I'd have to talk to her about that specifically. But yeah, I think that's kind of just like maybe how she, that's how she likes to race. That's, that's my guess on it. It's just so gritty, man. Like you're, cause you're absolutely right with her technique. How she was fighting early in that thing and totally solo. And yeah, you've seen some athletes do that in the past, like a Marit Bjergen or, or a Teresa Yohug or something. But, and Diggins is insane. Like Diggins is an insanely good athlete. Don't get me wrong, but she has 17 world cup victories, not a hundred, you know, like she's not Bjergen. And she grits that out and is not scared to take that chance 
and not just not scared to take that chance. She she kind of wears the the expectations on her sleeve, and it's like, okay, you expect me to crush and toe block in skating? Well, watch and learn, because if you want to compete with me, this is what it's going to have to take. You're going to have to you're going to have to chat with God out here to be in contention with me. And yeah, people weren't able to do it, and she's sitting super pretty in the tour de ski, of course. But it's not it's not about like where she's sitting or the leader bib she's wearing. It's it's how she's how she's converting these chances. It's just, I mean, but I mean, Nat and I are, we're definitely broken records with this. I mean, she's been outstanding all year. And of course, yeah, the little drama about her falling in her warm up and sliding hundreds of meters down the course, like, does it echo a little bit of Petromidic? Yeah, but perhaps, perhaps it does a little bit, but uh, it didn't seem to affect her at all in the race. And um, it was, uh, it was a crazy performance. I wanted to get, I don't know if you heard anything about it and we don't have to spend a whole lot of time, but it really broke my heart to see what happened to Rosie because Rosie had a tough day at the office. And that is an understatement. Her overall tour, every single tour to ski she's done every single one, she's been better than the year before. So for the last six years, her results in the overall tour have been better. Last year she was fourth. And after that classic race and how she was skiing, it's like, holy, this is looking so good. And to bleed two minutes, this is a tough hill to climb out of, especially when you see, at least from my perspective, I saw Frida Carlson, who is skiing a lot better than she's been skiing, even though she has been sick. She was amazing in that chase group. Heidi Vang is one of the best up that final climb as well. She's only 51 seconds from the lead too. So there's a lot of women that are really, really good. And to bleed two minutes like that, oof, that was hard to see. And then I said, I've never seen her look worse technically this year in skating than the sprint. But the last two laps of, of that uh, of that pursuit for Rosie was was hard to watch. So my heart goes out to her. I don't know if you have any insight or if she had thought she had bad skis or just had a flat body or maybe heard nothing. But regardless, it was, a, it was, a, it was tough to see. Yeah, I just... I saw her on her way back to the hotel afterwards and she said it was tough very gracious about it honestly like I didn't I hadn't seen the results so I was like uh I guess we just like packed up so I didn't like see how the end of the race played out but yeah she's just like yep that was shitty uh so I don't really know exactly how it went but she's still here and I'm sure she'll do some damage in Davos so yeah yeah Davos like being uh i feel like davos is the closest thing that rosie has to a, a home away from home just like a long long list of podium finishes there or at least the first podium her career so um win. yeah win. i mean i thought that sorry win rosie win. and jesse dominate davos so i am fired right up for for the next few races because yeah it's a great venue for both of those that that kind of middle altitude is something that suits them both really well and I think this like long classic course is going to be pretty sweet for Rosie. She's one of those like doesn't do ski classics, but when she does, she's super good at it. Uh, and like there's a lot of flat out there and and a couple hills to like shake it up. But yeah, I think she's for sure going to be. Yeah, if she's feeling good, maybe she's just not feeling it right now, but she definitely definitely could do it here. Well, Hopefully, uh, I mean, we'll have another couple days of racing in Davos. We'll come back after that. Hopefully, um, we we get better than the usual, like, 
I don't know, guy trying to produce the Davos race broadcast from like inside a cardboard box on the side of the trail, which is what we normally get from Swiss television production for cross country ski racing. Um, but uh, the the one other thing I wanted to throw in there, this is a little bit of a a non sequitur, but uh, sort of just interesting development that came across in the past few days. Like I got an an email, uh, sort of email blast from the Lopet Foundation, which is organizing the Minneapolis World Cup a few days ago. That basically was like throwing up the SOS flag saying, uh, we really need your support. We are dealing with like an unprecedented warm winter in the Midwest. Um, and I, I followed that up with like a call yesterday to the race organizer. And um, they are having one heck of a time in Twin Cities right now. There's like essentially no snow on the ground. Uh, it's just been like super warm it's rained they have one k of skiing i think at at the trailhead and they're basically like all hands on deck it's i mean they still have a lot of time uh for like 45 days before the world cup happens but basically they're saying like it's gonna be an all-out sprint to to pull off like the course that they have planned they're they're basically planning on like calling in some snow guns from other other ski areas to be able to make snow and like it it sounds like it's a little bit a little bit dicey which is like man you just got to feel for those guys after having the original version of that event um canceled because of covid and now just dealing with kind of unprecedented conditions the flip side of that is uh they really, I guess, are doing a sort of a, they have a climate change and, and adaptation resiliency focus for the event. I guess Bill McKibben, uh, I'm told, is going to be on a, on a panel there. I'm sure, Gus, maybe you'll have some stuff to contribute to that conversation as well. It's guy who's working with Protect Our Winners. But I just, I thought that was an interesting development that folks, you know, would probably care about. I imagine a lot of folks who listen to this podcast are going to be planning on showing up there. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, if, if winter comes through for the Minneapolis World Cup. Yeah, yeah, that sucks. I mean, that I guess it makes it, <laughs> it brings more attention to the problem because it's still like, you know, it's a problem here in Davos with a meter of snow. Uh, not that it's like, it's just not staring you in the face. But yeah, I think I'll... I don't know exactly what I'm doing there, but I Pow has definitely got a lot of uh a lot of events planned for that week. So I mean hopefully there's snow and we can be like, well, at least we dodged it, but let's not do let's not have to do this as much in the future. But yeah. 45 days. Yeah, we all do a snow dance. We all do a snow dance and cross our fingers because yeah. And tip our hats in a big, big way to all the organizing committees, especially the North American organizing committees to get these World Cups off the ground. I know the Canmore World Cup Society or Alberta World Cup Society does an in incredible job. And I'm, I'm, I know that the Lopper Foundation also does. These are these are huge events to pull off, especially to get FIS to to approve these events to to cross the Atlantic and, and have them in North America where they need to be. So let's all let's all do a snow dance, cross our fingers and let's give Gus his afternoon back. Thanks so much for joining us, man. Sorry you had to put up with our bullshit, but we appreciate it. And we're wishing you luck for the races ahead. No problem. Yeah. Thank you. Fun to this, talk this, with you guys. This was like a six lap pursuit for you, that kind of a, a marathon. <laughs> so yeah, cool. Well, yeah, we appreciate it. Gus, we'll see you uh, stateside in a few weeks and uh, we'll be yeah. back 
in a few days. Devin, Devin, good luck getting some solid foods and liquid into you. Thanks, buddy. I'm going to try and drink a cola. I'm not a big pop drinker. Or like I rarely, if ever, drink any sort of soda. But, uh, man, I think it's I think it's time to to jump on a on a Coke and see if I can keep it down. Gus, good luck, yeah. man. Say hi to everybody and, and give a shit tomorrow. It's going to be fun to cheer you on. Ciao. Thanks, I will. See you guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Devin Kershaw Show. We'll be back soon.